Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. All right. Well, we have a a guest speaker today. Uh, She's been our youth pastor for 10 years. She serves in almost every area of ministry, uh, some way or another, and uh, is always thinking about others. Anyone want to guess who that is? Kiki. And uh, she's a capable communicator, despite what whatever happened a little bit ago. <laughs> so she's just getting that out of her system uh, so she can communicate the Word of God. I know she's spent a lot of time in prep for this, and uh, she has a word for us, and we want to listen to what God has to say, so... Would you welcome uh, Kiki Ebway? Gonna do great. All right, I I already get nervous when I have to preach, and then let alone the master of preaching sitting here in front of us. Right? It's like ugh. anyway. I was um, praying and thinking about what I was gonna preach on this morning, and I'm pretty sure I started on a different topic like five different times and I just was like okay Lord you're gonna need to like rein it in because I only have so much time to study and um, I do feel like God gave me a word for this morning so um, I'm excited he's already preached it at me and so I know that I have marching orders and hopefully I can communicate that well with you guys this morning I'm gonna I'm just gonna open up in prayer father thank you that you Um, give me the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you that you found me fit to do that this morning. I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate clearly uh, the word that you have for us this morning. Help me to speak only words um, that you would have for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of my message this morning is Stop Striving and Start Standing. So uh, Merriam-Webster defines strive like this to devote serious effort or energy, to struggle in opposition or contend. So basically to struggle for something. And if you know anything about me, you will know that I'm a person who strives. So for most of my life, I have devoted serious effort and energy, um, often struggling in opposition to be successful, to achieve goals and to make something of myself, um, also to care for the people that I love. Um, And and in a lot of ways to survive. I um, didn't have the best childhood, and I had to learn how to contend for myself. And I think that because of that, God's given me a passion to contend for other people um, as well. So I, my heart's desire is to see people succeed, to see people live out their very best life. Um, I want to give people the tools to be successful and to really walk in the call that God's given them. So I do feel like that is a gift that God's given me. Um, But sometimes I strive to a fault where I um, maybe strive too much. I think striving can be a gift um, if you strive properly. So for me, either I'm striving so hard that I neglect to take care of myself or to give proper time to God. Um, Sometimes I impose my own agenda on other people or I flat out miss the mark that God has for me because I'm so busy striving. Can anybody here relate to that? 
um, I've come to realize in recent years that God's gift to me um, to strive is something that I haven't really stewarded well. Okay, so life is crazy. We all know that. Um, there's crazy things going on, not only in our personal lives, but in our world and in our nation. There are so many things that we need to strive for or fight for. Um, take recent events like striving and fighting for the unborn babies. Um, for some of us, it's the salvation of our children, our family members, our parents, our siblings. We, sh- we fight for the truth of the gospel to prevail. We fight for unity, for justice, and the list goes on. But I think sometimes we get too s- caught up in striving that we forget at the end of the day the battle is God's and not ours. We cannot win the battle of these things with our own striving. So this morning, I feel like God is not only challenging me personally, but maybe challenging others this morning with the same message. Stop striving and start standing. There are seasons and reasons in life where the right thing to do is strive, where circumstances will require you to fight, to wrestle, to contend, and to take action. But there are also reasons and seasons in life where the right thing to do is stop and simply stand. So Merriam-Webster defines stand like this. There's actually a lot of definitions of stand, but I took this one out. It says to endure or undergo successfully, to tolerate without flinching, bear courageously, to remain firm in the face of, to submit to, to take up or maintain a specified position or posture. You see, we live in a culture where the everything is a cause for a fight, right? We fight for a cause. We fight for our identity. We fight for truth. Um, if someone doesn't agree with you, you fight for your case with an argument. Anybody ever had to argue with somebody to prove your point? Anybody here like to do that? Maybe don't raise your hand. But <laughs> something doesn't align with your beliefs. Let's have a rally and march around town and fight for what we want, right? We fight. We strive to make it to the top. We strive for greatness oftentimes at the expense of others. Fight, fight, fight. Strive, strive, strive. All for the ultimate purpose, oftentimes, of self-gratification and self-satisfaction. But we know as Christians, because we're all good Christians here, that, or at least we ought to know, that when we strive for self, anything that we want for ourselves, anything that is not of God, we're actually fighting a losing battle. Okay? Again, don't get me wrong, we all know that there's a battle being fought in the spiritual realm, and we know that God calls us to fight spiritual battles. In fact, I know that there's several people here who have been fighting for um, good things, and God's asking you to continue to fight. There's passages in, in the Bible that talk about the armor of God and how, how we have to put it on in order for us to fight and stand against the enemy. We're all fighting personal battles on a personal level, and then even beyond. So again, take recent news, for example, the church rejoicing in a 50-year battle for life, and that victory on a national level. Now that we've won that fight, there's still another fight, right, to be had on the state level. Are we going to contend for um, those who are born? Are we going to contend for the broken, for the poor, for the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows? Um, There's so many things that we can be fighting for um, beyond our own personal lives. And then even on the personal side of things, some of us are 
fighting um, where maybe areas of doubt, self-hatred, discouragement, depression, battles of waiting, battles of regret, battles of uncertainty, battles of addiction, and the list goes on. We're all fighting battles. Sometimes I want us to know that um, when we just fight, like we're just in fight mode, we don't actually take time to pause, right? And then when we continue to go in the direction that maybe we've set in our minds, um, we forget that the fight that God's asked us to fight has actually now turned into our own fight, okay? We veered off course, and the battle has now become a battle of self. We've pushed God out of the way, and our focus has shifted, and now we're fighting for ourselves to prove our own points, to um, get what we want, to make us feel comfortable. Um, I'm just going to say this, that... um, when the battle shifts from God's battle to our own personal battle, this is where God says, stop striving and start standing. Did you know that fighting for your political viewpoint is not God's battle? If we're going to strive and fight, strive and fight for the truth, not for a political agenda. So what do we do if there's personal battles all around us? Okay. What if we do, if we're finding ourselves striving to find certainty in material things, if I can just get that new house, that new car, that thing, I'll be satisfied. I'll be in a position to serve God better. Um, What do we do when we're striving for worth in relationships that God doesn't desire for us? We're constantly striving to prove ourselves. What do we do when we're striving to have our future all figured out? Striving to fill voids in our lives so we don't have to feel pain or striving to make up for what we've done wrong, striving to bring our families to know Jesus. We're all striving for something, devoting serious effort or energy to something, and some of us are exhausted. Anybody here exhausted from fighting and striving? Yeah, life feels chaotic. And I know... I've noticed in myself that when I get exhausted and I start to feel defeated, it's because I've spent so much time thinking about the battle, the actual thing that's in front of me, that I'm no longer thinking about God. Um, My eyes have now veered off on the one who's actually going to help me win. I'm no longer thinking about him and how he wants me to fight, and I'm no longer trusting in him to lead my battle. And in those moments, like... In this last week, (laughs) I typically hear God saying, Kiki, chill, sit down, stand and watch. Just sit next to me. Stop fighting me and let me do it for you. Sometimes our standing is our fighting. So now we'll get into scripture. That was just my intro. Pastor, I'm going to try to preach real quick. And everybody can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to read kind of a lot of scripture, but that's okay because we all love the word. All right, it says this, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mayunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. 
he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So if you kind of rewind a little bit, if you look back in um, chapter 18, uh, Jehoshaphat had just gone to battle with Ahab. You guys know what happened to him. He didn't make it, but God spared Jehoshaphat's life. So, of course, he was, like, nervous and scared, right? He had fear. So verse 4, it says, So people from all of the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. Verse 6 says, He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, now see how they reward us, for they have come out to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before their Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaz. Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Listen to this, verse 15, it says, He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. So God's instruction to King Jehoshaphat was what? To stand, to stand still. You guys, sometimes the battle stance that God requires of us is to simply stand. Now, I know that's hard for some of us, People like the people that like to do things and be in control. Yeah, it's hard for us. But I believe this morning there are some of us in this room that need to know that it's okay. And in fact, it might be best to stand in the middle of your battle today. So I have a few, um, three points that I want to highlight this morning about standing. So number one is stand and remember. Okay, whatever you're fighting for, if it's God's fight, he has the victory. Some of us need to take a step back and evaluate how we're fighting. When the fight becomes ugly and respect has gone out the window, we may need to stop, stand, and remember whose fight it is. Remember that God's power is what wins the victory. I think so many times we get caught up 
um, thinking that the power comes from us. Okay. We like walk into a situation and we're like, yes, God gave me the power to do it. And then all of a sudden we're functioning like, okay, thanks God. Now I'm here. It's all about me. Um, we, we forget that it's actually God's power. So I was thinking about that today and whenever we used to lead mission teams, like in prehistoric days before COVID, (laughs) just kidding. Hopefully it comes back up soon and we get back on the mission field. But I remember when we would come to a mission, a ministry spot, we would get out of the bus and we would meet with people and share the gospel and start praying for people one-on-one. And we would have like just a little bit of time. And the instructions that we would give missionaries is, okay, the moment that the leader, who was me, says, go, let's go. It was time to go. And it wasn't like time to go in 10 minutes or after you finish your conversation or after the person gave their heart to the Lord. It was like go time. Whatever circumstances it was, whether it was we had to be somewhere else, there was danger, whatever it was, go meant go. And we couldn't finish the conversation. And I struggled with that as a leader. And a lot of our team members struggled with that because it was like, man, I was just making ground with them. I was, they were almost on the edge of giving their heart to the Lord. And I, we had to learn that it really wasn't in our own power to make whatever we wanted to happen, right? God's power was still going to work whether or not we finished the conversation. And so we had to trust that God's power was going to continue to move in that person's life. And whatever seeds were planted were going to come to pass. And so it's so important for us to recognize the power that we have is not ours. It's actually God's. God does the saving and the convicting, not us. So if you're fighting a personal battle of doubt, discouragement, depression, regret, uncertainty, insert your personal battle here. Maybe it is a health issue, a financial issue. Um, One of the things that I think we should remember is what God did in the past and recognize that he can do it again. Verses 6 through 7 says, um, Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? So Jehoshaphat remembered what God did in the past, okay? He laid it all out. He wasn't, God didn't need the reminder, right? God already knew what he did and what he could do. But Jehoshaphat needed the reminder, and probably the people who were following his lead needed the reminder. Like, this is what God did in the past, and he can do it again. And we can stand firm on who God is. So if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably seen the goodness of God. Raise your hand if you've seen the goodness of God in your life. Okay. So if you're going through a battle and you're like, God, I don't see a way out, you should stand and remember what God did in the past and know that he can do it again because the word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I also want to encourage you that if you haven't started a habit of journaling, start today. So write down testimonies of what God's done. Write down prayers and answered prayers. And soon you're going to notice that you'll have a whole book um, where you can stand and remember the goodness of God in your future battles. 
So stand and remember. Remember God's promises is the next thing that I think we should remember. Verse 8 through 9 says, Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, Whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. So I'm going, if you can bear with me just for a little bit, I am going to read us some promises um, within scripture because I believe that God has promises for every believer that apply to everybody. And then he also, because he loves us so much and so personally, he also has promises for you as an individual. But we're going to just go through um, just a little bit of some of the promises that God has for us in scripture. So God is a promise keeper. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. Hebrews ten twenty three says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. If you battle for a place in the kingdom, like you just, you don't know who you are. Galatians 3.29 says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. If your battle is a season of waiting, Hebrews 6.13-15 says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Isaiah 40.31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. If your battle is fear, Joshua 1, 9 says, this is, kind of, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If your battle is an uncertain future, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If you're battling discouragement, Matthew 11:28 through 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. If your battle is identity, Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. And 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. If your battle is addiction, Romans 6, 6, and 7 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer sins to, slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. If your battle is grief, Matthew 5, 4 says, God blesses those 
who mourn for they will be comforted. So I just, I felt like there's power when we read the promises of God. And these just barely touch the surface of God's promises throughout scripture. There are numerous promises from Genesis to Revelation. I think I was reading some guy, I don't remember his name, counted the promises of God in the Bible, and I think there were over 7,000. Um, and so how great is it that God gives us all of these promises that apply to each one of us? If we're in Christ, these promises apply to us. And all we have to do is stand on those promises and remember. So today, stand and remember the goodness and promises of God. My second point is stand and worship. Worship God in prayer and song. Verses 18 and 19, Jehoshaphat knew the battle before him, and he prayed and worshiped. And when he did that, I want to point out that others followed suit, okay? They saw what he did, and it says here, um, I thought that I wrote it down. It says here that um, when he, it says in verse 18, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. So worship God because other people are watching you and somebody else might be facing a battle and they're looking at you like, man, how does that person stand in their battle by worshiping? And so you actually encourage other people to worship God. They will follow suit. Okay. Recognize people are watching how you navigate your battle. The world is watching how we navigate our battle. They're watching how we respond to some of the sensitive issues of what's happening in our culture. How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond in a way that is loving and worship unto God? Or are we going to respond in an ugly way? You have the ability to point others to Jesus in the midst of your turmoil. One of my favorite things that I like to do um, when I'm exhausted from striving and it's a lot um, of times, seeing and seeing nothing happen is to stop what I'm doing. I turn on worship music. I sing worship songs. So if you're not a singer, if you do that by yourself, nobody has to listen. So it's, it's really um, freeing to do that. I like to soak in God's presence. Sometimes I'll just like blast music and I'll just lay there and do absolutely nothing. And then I'll pray for, for God's help because we all need that, right? And sure enough, um, after I've rested and I've stood in God and in his promises, I'm ready for battle, okay? You and I don't have the capacity to be constantly fighting. At some point, we're going to need rest and relief. So stand and worship. Worship God in your battle, even if you don't feel like it. Pastor Luke often says, if you don't feel like doing it, just do it, and your heart will follow. Your feelings and your emotions will follow. There's a song that we sing, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And I love it because somebody explained it to me of how you actually sometimes have to tell your soul, bless the Lord. Because in my flesh and in my circumstances, I don't always want to do that or feel like doing that. But if I tell my soul to do it, it the feelings and the emotions follow, follow that. So worship God in your battle. Worship also takes our eyes off of ourselves and off of the battle, and it fixes our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So he's the champion. He's the victor. He's the one who will win the battle for us. Worship and prayer positions you and I in a place where we can be near to God and remember who he is. He strengthens us, and we really can't stand without his strength. 
Um, I think about even the book of Psalms and how a lot of that is written by David, right? And he was in constant battle. Um, He was in battle. He was in um, disappointments, failures. And what did he do? He worshiped God in song and prayer. So let's stand and worship because worship welcomes God into your battle. My last point is to stand and watch. Verse 17 says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. I don't know about you, but it makes me excited to know that I don't have to strive. I don't have to fight in my own power. I can stand and watch God's victory. I can watch how mighty and strong my God is. It's, it, I don't know, it excites me. Exodus 14, 13, 13 and 14, it says here also for Moses, it says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see you today. You see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. First Samuel seventeen forty seven, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So stand firm, hold your position, and wait on God. Some of you today are striving in chaos. You feel like you're swimming upriver. Um, we were riding our bikes last week, and um, I was taking Emma and CJ out, and we were watching some people rafting Campbell Creek. Anybody ever done that before? It doesn't look like a very strong creek, but it kind of is. And so people were getting off at Arctic Roadrunner, and we were talking about how sad it would be if they passed their stop and they had to swim back upriver and how that would be a fight. Some of us are swimming upriver, and God's saying, chill, chill for a second, and let me fight for you because we can't do it. So stand firm, hold your position. Maybe some of us are fighting a battle on all sides. And the good news is this, it's okay to stand and hold your position. Um, When I think of standing and holding my position, I think of planting my feet firmly down, okay? If I'm busy just like doing things, I will be more susceptible for something to come and take me out. But if I can plant my feet on the promises and the word of God, then I will be positioned better to withstand something that might come at me. I will see what's coming. So good news today. If you are striving and fighting, take some time today to stand, okay? Standing means you stay. You don't retreat, and you don't go forward, okay? So you're in one position You don't retreat and live in your defeat. I didn't do that on purpose, but it does rhyme. And you don't move forward in your own strength, okay? But you stand firm in the strength of God. I know that sometimes if I move forward when God's asked me to stand, I'm usually not doing what I'm supposed to do, and I find myself in trouble. So let's stand firm, hold our position, and watch God bring victory in our life. I also want to say that standing doesn't mean that you've given up, okay? There are necessary necessary moments in a battle where standing is the necessary thing to do, okay? There were some um, Roman military tactics that often included standing in formations, okay? 
if they stood together with one another, which I think is really cool because sometimes not only does God call you to stand individually, but he calls you to stand next to somebody um, to help other people in battle. But oftentimes their formation would be in a standing position and they would be able to see the enemy coming and attack together or protect one another. So um, standing is sometimes necessary in battle. We also see in the Bible that people were appointed as watchmen. They were guards directed to stand and watch as they were responsible for protecting towns and military installations from surprise enemy attacks and other potential dangers. If you're in the middle of fighting, you can't see everything happening around you. Standing is necessary for a season. I remember um, my first year at Camp Nashi. If you don't know what Camp Nashi is, it's this remote village on the Yukon River. I remember the first year that we got there, they're doing um, orientation and just letting us know, like, how to be safe and what to do at camp, where everything was. And in the middle of camp, there was a tower. It was called a bear tower. <laughs> yes, a bear tower, Emma. And... Um, we had to enlist somebody to literally stand watch like all night. So once everything was quiet in camp, um, leaders would volunteer to take shifts and stand watch in the bear tower to make sure bears didn't come into camp because we were sleeping in tents. That was like pre-cabin days. And there were often times where bears would come and like claw through the tents. Nobody's died from it, but that's because they had people watching for bears. But I learned the next year that when there's no watchman, you wake up to a bear running right next to your tent. Thankfully, that morning, God was the watchman because we're, we're alive, right, Heather? That morning, Heather thought there was a dog at camp. Let, you can't get to camp unless you're on a boat, like a couple hours boat ride or a float plane. Nobody had a dog before we went to bed. We didn't hear a plane or a boat come. We just woke up <laughs> to a bear <laughs> running by our tent. And yes, nobody was at the bear tower that night, but God was watching, thankfully. So standing and watching is sometimes very necessary. So taking your position and standing also takes courage and strength, okay? Don't be mistaken with what God is saying here. He isn't saying give up and do nothing, just sit and just let somebody take you out. He's asking us to take action, and that action may be to stand. Okay, I'm going to read the definition of stand again. It says to endure and undergo successfully, to tolerate without flinching, bear courageously, to remain firm in the face of, to submit to, to take up or maintain a specified position or posture. So this morning, we're going to stand with all of our strength. Maintain your position. How many of you guys get tired of standing for long periods of time? I do, okay? Or maybe, has anybody ever stood at, like, the break of a wave and you, like, tried to stand and beat the wave? doesn't work very well. Or in a windstorm, it takes strength. I know for me, if I have to stand physically for a long time, I need strength, okay? I don't work out, so I need help. And in the same vein, we need strength to stand spiritually, okay? Stand firm in the face of whatever battle 
is before you. Stand courageously, stand in his grace, and stand in his strength. I don't know how long God may be asking you to stand. But if he's asking you to stand and watch him work, do it. Okay? If you're tired of striving and you feel and feeling like you've been defeated, don't sit down. Stand firm and watch God bring victory. In your standing, do the things that I mentioned earlier. Remember, pray, and worship. Let the goodness and faithfulness of God strengthen your knees to stand firm. Um, Zach, if you want to come up, the worship team can come up. I'm going to read just verses 15 through 17 again, and I'm going to change it up a little bit, but listen to this. It says in verse 15, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, all you people of Maranatha, listen, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army or whatever this battle is that you're facing. For the battle is not yours. It's God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. And he's saying this to us. You will feel like you're in over your head. Your enemy is closing in on you. Your strength is diminishing. You have lost ground. But, in verse 17, you will not even need to fight. He's saying stop fighting. Stop striving. Take your positions Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. He is with you, O people of Maranatha. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. As we close, I really believe that God's word is for us today. I don't know what your battle is, and I don't know how long you've been fighting in your battle. For some of us, it's been years years and years, and you might be exhausted, and maybe God's asking you to stand. He wants to fight on your behalf. Don't give up. Don't retreat. Don't get ahead of him, but stand firm in his word, in his promise, in his goodness, and watch for the victory. Yes, there's a time to fight, and there's a time to strive, but maybe God is saying to you and I today, son, daughter, Stop fighting. Stop striving. I'm right here, and I have you in my hands. When God asks us to stand, he isn't asking us to do nothing. He's asking us to stand on his word. So you have to read it. You have to know it if you want to stand in it. He's asking us to stand on his character, who he is. He hasn't changed, and he's in the same spot that he's always been. He's asking us to stand on his promise and to stand in his strength. So if you're fighting a battle this morning, I really do think that God is saying, I'm right here with you, and I have the battle under control. Maybe there's someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus. Your life is chaos, and you don't know that these promises are also for you too. You don't know that God promises eternal life if you put your hope in him. And if that's you... I want to encourage you that as we just stand and respond to the Lord, if you'll stand with me right now. um, If you have not known Jesus as this promise maker and promise keeper, um, somebody will pray with you this morning. And if you are clinging for dear life, fighting, 
for something that's going on in your life and you have no more strength or energy to do it, I believe God's saying to you today, my child, my daughter, my son, stop striving. I have it under control. Just stand firm in my word and in who I am. So um, we're just going to take some time to respond. Um, This morning the altars are open and there are several people who would love to pray for you. Um, But I want to encourage you again that you're just going to get tired if you keep doing it all on your own terms. God's ready to take that burden off of you and to help you walk through it. Amen. Do you know that uh, the main way we do spiritual warfare isn't just by rebuking demons. When you look at the context of the, the spiritual warfare in the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, the chief command is to stand. It's to stand. If you, it says that if you'll stand firm and hold your ground, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That means that that's our main battle is a resistance battle of standing firm and saying you will not win. You will not win. I've got Jesus on my side. You, you will not win. Isn't that exciting? Uh, you can be, you can stand and be a victor. And whenever Paul uses that word, it's in the imperative. Do you know what that means? That means it's commanded. Like this isn't optional Christianity. Standing is the command that's given to us by God. So I, I don't know if that uh, helps us or not. Sometimes we don't like to be told what to do, but when God tells us, we better listen. It's the road to success. And so uh, thanks, Kiki, for sharing that word. It was insightful. It was powerful. There's truth in it. And I hope you'll have heard from God today. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.